Heal Thyself Using a Holistic Approach with Dr. Eric Madrid. Welcome to today's episode. We will be having an interview with mushroom expert Jeff Chilton. Jeff will be discussing the health benefits of mushrooms, how they can enrich our lives, lower blood pressure, and reduce inflammation in the body. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. Please make sure you visit us on Apple Podcast and leave us a review. Also, follow us on Instagram at Eric Madrid MD. I hope you enjoy today's interview. Okay, good. I can hear you perfect. Yeah, I, I just finished seeing patients, so it, it works out good because Friday's a half day for me. I, I just finished seeing patients about 1230, finished up some paperwork, so I've been looking forward to this phone call, or this conversation nice. with you. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's great. The um, so so tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're, it sounds like you're really the, the mushroom guru. And uh, I, I've been researching a little bit about you. It sounds like this has gone back a, a while, a few years. You've been uh, been learning and growing and, and learning all about the health benefits of mushrooms. So I'd love to be able to share with uh, my listeners all this great information as we obviously are always trying to seek better ways to, to optimize our health and to minimize our reliance on pharmaceutical drugs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, just a little bit about, about my background. I'm was uh, born and raised in Washington State <clears throat> in the Seattle area. And this part of the world is very green because we get lots of rain. And so we have forests and, and they're full of mushrooms because uh, mushrooms love um, what we've got is a moderate coastal climate here, uh, probably one of the best climates in the world for growing mushrooms. And we're the, this area is known for the abundance of wild mushrooms. So they were around me all, all the while I was growing up and I was able to get out and do some mushroom hunting with, uh, with the, the parents of friends. And I, I liked it enough that when I went to university, I actually studied mycology there. My, my major was anthropology, but I tied the two together by studying the use of mushrooms worldwide for food, for medicine and in shamanism. So essentially I was, uh, I created a study of ethnomycology. Interesting. Yeah, and, and so of course after university, and this was, this was in the late 60s. Um, and when I got out of university, there wasn't a whole lot for me to do with a degree in anthropology. So uh, I thought, well, maybe I could grow mushrooms. That'd be really interesting. And so in, in I 19... Going back home telling your parents, I think I know what I want to do for a living. I'm going to grow <laughs> mushrooms, right? <laughs> this is in the 60s, as you say. So I imagine that could have many connotations back in the 60s. Absolutely. Well, you know, and the fact of the matter is, is that certainly I was very aware of... Uh, of, let's just call them magic mushrooms, and and right. I, I was uh, I had consumed them, so I, I knew, and, and I was studying them too because that was right. part of the research that I was doing is the use of them, and and so uh, I I went to the only mushroom farm in Washington State in 1973, hmm. applied for a job, got a job, and I ended up on this mushroom farm now for the next 10 years. I was there for 10 years, uh, starting right at the bottom and worked up to be a production manager. We were growing two million pounds of the button mushrooms every year is that what we have at the supermarkets 
That's absolutely right. But the interesting part about it is that we had a Japanese scientist there that was head of research and development, and he was growing shiitake mushrooms, uh, enokitake mushrooms, and oyster mushrooms. So I was also exposed to these other what we called specialty mushrooms. So, so I had a much broader view and education in that sense while I was uh, uh, pursuing my career as a mushroom grower. Wow. And, and then what, so let me, let me ask you this. So, so for the casual person who's listening to this podcast, you know, we frequently, uh, you know, like I go on hikes. There, there's a place here in Southern California called Big Bear, California. It's up in the local mountains, about 7,000 feet. And I'll go for a hike, you know, rather regularly because it's about an hour and a half from my house. And, and we'll see mushrooms laying around on the, on the forest floor. How, how does a lay person determine what's edible and what's not edible? Is there a specific way just from looking at mushrooms or is it more complicated? Yeah. Uh, you absolutely cannot identify them just as, as a lay person, uh, just sure. checking them out, looking at them like that. You absolutely cannot. And, and anybody who's out there, please do not gather those mushrooms and eat them. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the, uh, what, I, what I tell people is, is if you're close to a metropolitan center, mm-hmm. um, like San Francisco or Portland or Seattle, and sometimes smaller communities, they will have um, clubs or organizations that mm-hmm. are mushroom clubs. Okay. And, and every year uh, in season, they will go out into the forests foraging for mushrooms, and, and they are happy to have new people come along and then normally like for example in, in seattle or vancouver every year they will have a a show or they will bring in mushrooms from all the surrounding area lay them out on tables in a very beautiful display and identify them so hmm. you go to one of those well one of those mushroom shows and you can learn a lot about what your local mushrooms are and specifically which let's just say one or two species that are easy to identify and that, that you can learn more about and be able to ultimately go out and find these species. But the first thing to do is to, is to go out mushroom hunting with somebody who absolutely knows what they're doing, because let's face it, there are poisonous mushrooms out there and every year people get killed by eating poisonous mushrooms. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely great advice. What what about the history of mushrooms in medicine? Some of the reading that I did in preparation, uh, you know, I read that the Egyptians and the Greeks used mushrooms. From from your research over the years, what, where was kind of the first use of mushrooms in medicine, and what conditions were initially treated with mushrooms? Well, you know, you know what, um, my own feeling is that mushrooms have probably been used for thousands and thousands, probably before written history, certainly no question about using them as food. And I would say in terms of the actual medicinal use, that probably goes back to China where they developed um, this whole body of a traditional Chinese medicine based mm-hmm. around a lot of herbs and mushrooms were certainly part of that. And, and you know, they had a number of different things that they utilized them for. I, I would say the primary purpose for most mushrooms is being used as a uh, something that can enhance immunity, um, something that can can help with resistance. For example, a lot of times they use them for people that were coming out of a a serious illness and and people were weak, they were fatigued, they just had difficulties climbing out of that. And so that was one of the main areas that they would use them for uh, um, in traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, cordyceps in particular. 
mm-hmm. is a mushroom that they would use in that way. Okay. The uh, in, in in modern day. So let's go back to where you were working. So you were working at a facility where they were making mushrooms in large quantities, primarily for the consum- for consumption as a food, or were they being used as supplements back then in the uh, '60s and or early '70s? You know, back then there was there was no use of mushrooms as supplements in North America, and so the farm I worked on was simply for growing mushrooms for food, and. and during that period, you know, I, I was just like a sponge. I was reading everything I, I could about mushrooms and about growing mushrooms. And one of the things I learned was the fact that, yes, indeed, mushrooms had been used in traditional Chinese medicine for a long, long time. So, so I read about that. And then in 1989, I established my company, Namex, to actually uh, sell medicinal mushroom products into the to the uh, supplement market and and here's what's really interesting dr chavez is that in in 1989 1990 there was not a single company in the united states that had a mushroom supplement there were lots of companies you know that sold sold the whole line of herbal products right whether it be ginseng or echinacea or or a lot of the green herbs i mean complete lines of these herbs, but mushrooms, no. So I, I would go to, uh, they, they have in, in uh, LA, LA every year, what's called the Natural Foods Expo, and that's where all these companies go. And in 1990, I went there and I was walking around the floor with a, with a dreshi mushroom in my hand wow. and trying to introduce that to people and saying, hey, have you ever heard of reishi mushroom? And you know, they've been used in traditional Chinese medicine. It would be perfect for your product line. And people just looked at me like, <laughs> First of all, I don't know if you've seen a reishi mushroom, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful mushroom. But it is when it's dried out, it is hard as wood. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> so so they just looked at it and they held it in their hands and just was like, "What is this? What do you mean? This is a an herb?" Right. So so it took at least the, t- through the '90s to actually finally have a couple of companies get on board and start to purchase some products. And I wrote articles. I uh, produced books. I did a lot of educating during the 90s just to introduce medicinal mushrooms into the herbal market, into the natural products uh, arena. Right. Now, is there um, are there certain seasons uh, up there where you are? Do mushrooms grow all year around? Or are there certain seasons when they come to harvest? Or how do you... Uh, how does that work? Well, yes, every everywhere you every part of the world where mushrooms grow, there's pretty much a mushroom season, and and uh, generally speaking, that season is the fall when when uh, temperatures will drop and you'll get a lot of uh, rain or moisture. And and just to to start out a little bit because uh, people need to sort of have a bit of an idea about what we would call a mushroom, which is a fungal organism. They they start from a spore. Mushrooms okay. do not have seeds. They have spores. Those spores uh, are spread out in the environment, and when conditions are right, that spore will germinate, and it will germinate into a very fine thread-like filament. And when multiple spores germinate and those filaments will come and fuse together, they will form a network. And almost like you think of a uh, even a spider web or something, but it's a network or a root system, and that's called mycelium, and that's the actual body of the fungus. But but and that's what's out there in the the earth 
or in a piece of wood. And what it's doing there is it's decomposing all of that organic matter out there. So this fungal mycelium is really important for the whole ecology because that's what breaks down the organic matter ultimately into humus. Now, with the addition of there's bacteria and other microorganisms. So, but when conditions are right, that mycelial body will produce a mushroom. And then that mushroom will come up short season. Um, and once it matures, it will then release spores. And that completes our life cycle there. So in a sense that, that uh, um, mycelial network grows out and feeds during the spring and summer when temperatures are a little bit warmer. And mm -hmm. then in the fall, when all of a sudden temperatures drop and it starts to rain, then that actual mushroom will come up. And one of the things about, uh, about fungi, they need moisture. Right. They, if, you put a, if you put a fungus uh, in direct sunlight, it will dry up and just stop growing. It'll, it'll just dry right out. It, it can't be exposed to, to uh, warm air or direct sunlight. It will dry it up. So that's, that's why the fall is the perfect time because there's lots of water in the ground and uh, that in turn creates nice humidity in that microclimate where it grows. Gotcha. Now, what uh, over the years, what medical conditions have you seen uh, integrative providers use mushrooms specifically for? Or how, as, as a as a family physician, you know, patients come to me with high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, anxiety, insomnia, just you know, just a whole host of of issues. And, and my approach is to try to you know integrate food and making sure they're eating right and making sure they're active and exercising, and then when indicated certain supplements to help with certain conditions. So where would uh, mushrooms fit in in a, uh, in a daily routine? Um, well, well let, let me first say this. And, and, you know, I was looking at your Facebook page today and I thought, <laughs> wow, this is, I mean, you're somebody who really gets it. <laughs> you know, it was like looking at all the foods that you had there and I was just like, you know, those are all my favorite foods. I mean, I was looking at broccoli and, yeah. and uh, uh, asparagus and, and the nuts and all the rest. And I just thought, you know, yeah. this, is, this is real eating. This is real food. And, and so, you know, first of all, let me just say this. People need to, uh, before they even go out and, and supplement or think about using a mushroom supplement, get mushrooms into your diet. I, was, I kept scrolling, and then I finally found one of the parts on you that showed a mushroom there, and I thought, okay, good. <laughs> He's got a mushroom on here. Exactly. Uh, a mushroom is, is a really excellent food. And, you know, when I first started growing mushrooms in the 70s, classical nutritionists basically thought mushrooms were valueless as a food. And the reason they thought that was because mushrooms are very low in calories. Mm. Now, mushrooms have a good complement of proteins. And, and when I'm talking about mushrooms, just remember one thing. It's, it's kind of like talking about fruits. There's many different fruits. There's right. many different mushroom species. So although I'm going to give a few numbers in general, each species will have its own profile of mm. nutrients. Okay. But Generally speaking, 20 to 40% protein, um, 50 to even 80% carbohydrate, um, 5 to 8% fats. The fats are mostly uh, unsaturated, mostly linoleic acids, um, good levels of B vitamins, uh, uh, riboflavin, niacin, 
And in fact, the niacin is, uh, uh, there's an amount of niacin in there that's uh, maybe 30 to 40% of your daily recommended need for uh, niacin. So, and then they're very high in potassium and phosphorus. The other thing about mushrooms is that they have a really, what I would call quality carbohydrates. They're not like these refined carbohydrates that you get out there. Um, mushrooms have something called mannitol. Mm -hmm. which that makes up a lot of the carbohydrate in mushrooms. So it's a very slow acting carbohydrate. And also they have what are called beta glucans and beta glucans make up 50% of the cell walls. And the beta glucan is actually what is the active component of mushrooms. So even eating mushrooms, you are going to derive a lot of the immunological benefits from a mushroom just by eating. The other thing about mushrooms now is that they are very high in fiber. So they are perfect for feeding your microbiome. Right. So, and, and you know, that's one of the reasons why the, they, um, of the, uh, having a low calorie, basically, it's just, there's so much fiber in, in mushrooms. So, so there, so they, so for those, cause there's a lot of people now who are doing a ketogenic diet, a, a low carb, but it's really more of a, uh, a low, simple carb diet. Yes, that's right. Are okay. That's so absolutely right. Are okay with that. They're okay with the paleo diet. Yes, absolutely. In fact, in fact, you know, I, I kind of consider mushrooms to be one of the premier paleo foods, not just from the sense of the, the uh, makeup nutritionally, but also from the fact of, of when you think back thousands of years ago and you think about mushrooms and in season, it's like, here's this, big fleshy fruit let's call it that's coming out of the ground and it is solid and it is very meaty and you know the right ones i mean you can almost make a meal of it in fact in the in the uh, 17th century in england they used to call mushrooms poor man's meat <laughs> that's, that's extra that's great <laughs> yeah i know i know so so i really think of them as as a classic paleo food great for anybody who's on a paleo diet and again the carbs are not the the, the carbs are are mostly polysaccharides and i think you know that's one of the issues that we have is so many of these these carbohydrates are refined simple carbohydrates so simple sugars mushrooms or polysaccharides that I've even heard people say that that's what's missing in our Western diet are polysaccharides are these complex carbohydrates. And so, and that's what, um, that's what this beta glucan is. It is a, uh, it is a, um, complex carbohydrate. It's a polysaccharide and it is what gives mushrooms their medicinal value. So, so what I'm saying first off is put, mushrooms into your diet and and how i would look at mushrooms is they're that perfect example of food as medicine because right. not only is it a good food but it's also something that has this medicinal value so um so essentially getting it into your diet and and the way i look at them is prevention sure they are they're primarily in my opinion used a, a, as preventive medicine. There's something that, that will sit in the background there and they're called biological response modifiers. Mm -hmm. They will actually, um, they will stimulate your immune cells, whether that's uh, uh, 
natural killer cells, macrophages, T cells. That's what they will do. That's that's when those beta glucans come down. They they're not they're not uh, um, uh, absorbed in or broken down in the, in the stomach. They come down and in the intestine they will hit a lot of receptor sites. We have receptor sites for those beta glucans, and it's just like they lock into those receptor sites, and then they're there ready to work when we need them. I believe, too, if I'm not mistaken, I think beta-glucan is considered a, a prebiotic as well, right? Yes, so. absolutely. That's, that's where this whole fiber yeah, yeah. comes in, is that they're, they're a great prebiotic. So ba basically, it's a food for the healthy bacteria in the gut, and obviously, over the last decade or even even more, even the last couple of years, a lot more research on the, the gut microbiome and how that's really influencing our overall health. And almost, you know, Hippocrates said 2,400 years ago, all disease begins in the gut. So when we're, you know, and I tell this to my patients, too, I say when we're eating food, we're not just eating for ourselves. We're actually feeding the, the 100 trillion bacteria in our gut. And, and if we're feeding them the right food, the, the healthy bacteria will prosper, the, the not so healthy bacteria will die, and that will bring health to us as a human, as an organism in its entirety. But it's impossible to eat bad food and expect good bacteria to, to win out. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I, I think we can, we can take that even further and, and say that as a human organism in a much larger organism that let's just call Gaia or the earth or whatever we're we're just one part of all of that and what we're trying to do is we're trying to I look at it as we're in kind of a cooperative um, type of relationship with everything out there it's just it's just like you know you know the expression of uh, when you're young you have to eat your pound of dirt Right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, part of that is we're taking in a lot of microorganisms and we're starting to to basically train our immune system and build up immunity to certain things. And and so this to me, you know, a lot of people think we're we're in a we're in a fight and we're constantly fighting this or fighting that. I don't like that metaphor at all. I think we're in a cooperative environment. We may be in a struggle at times. Right. And certainly, it, certainly, if I get attacked by a cougar tomorrow, I will be in a fight. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, but, but generally speaking, we're all just kind of in this dance, and we're all trying to get along, and and we we may be competing for some of the same things, but ultimately, we are we are trying to reach some kind of homeostasis where we're in balance right. with our environment. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, and I think, too, medicine, I think, is undergoing a big renaissance right now. I also have, uh, in addition to a family medicine practice, we also have medical students from UC Riverside School of Medicine and also Loma Linda School of Medicine. And as I see a lot of these younger med students rotating through my office on a monthly basis, so many of them are interested in integrative medicine. They're interested in food. They're really trying to, you know, to find other ways to help the patients get off of their diabetic medicines or blood pressure medicines. So it's real interesting because it literally is a renaissance where the, the students are just searching for other answers than simply giving medications to everybody. And, um, and it's, it's going to be huge because, as you know, allopathic medicine really means other paths. So, so medicine, my, my colleagues, we, we're always fighting. We're, you know, if you have high blood pressure, we will give you an antihypertensive. If you have, you know, 
hyperglycemia. We'll give you a hypoglycemia. We're fighting. We're trying to do the exact opposite instead of facilitating our body's natural mechanisms. You know, if you have cancer, we're going to try to fight it instead of, you know, strengthening the body to to fight the cancer. That's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So the big paradigm shift. So I'm, I'm really excited and in, in seeing that to see these young students coming out and to them, you know, the importance of diet when it comes to health and wellness is as common sense to, to you and as it is to you and I. But but even when I was going through medical school and it wasn't even that long ago, 20, uh, maybe 20 years ago, you know, I mean, we, we were still telling people a calorie is a calorie and it doesn't matter. You know, 100 calories of Oreos is the same as 100 calories of broccoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's absolutely right. You know, you know, what's interesting is that is that one of the one of the people that I've followed for a long time and and I know him personally is Dr. Andrew Weil. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and and you know Andy Weil has has been talking about diet and has written books on diets uh, for quite a long time uh, as well as many other things. And and what's interesting is when I when I met uh Andy that was in the the 70s and he's been he's been at, through mushrooms because he was very interested in mushrooms. So he was up in the Pacific Northwest a lot mm-hmm. out foraging for mushrooms and and building relationships with people that were interested in in mushrooms. So so and he's kind of like to some degree I consider him almost the the father of integrative medicine. I agree. Uh, you know right. and so and so it's very you know I I love to hear what you're saying because. Um, I think that's where we're going. I think that's where we need to go. Um, and and that, that's also sort of this whole idea that's been around for quite a while, which is East meets West in a way. Right. I, I mean, I travel in China a lot. And, and I didn't say that, talk to you about this earlier when we're talking about, you know, mushrooms and foraging and all that. But, but all of our mushrooms are actually grown in China. Mm, okay. We grow all of our mushrooms in China, and we process them all over there before right. we bring them in. And and so I'm very familiar with that. And we go to restaurants sometimes where the whole restaurant is designed around being a medicinal meal. Okay. <laughs> and, and and not only that, they have at least at least twelve fresh mushroom species in their markets they every meal that we go out for we have mushrooms in in that meal maybe one plate of it or uh, maybe two plates and then maybe the mushroom is also in one of the other dishes that we've got because normally when you go out for a meal in china they bring out maybe 10 different platters of some different type of uh food that they've uh they've mixed up one of the things that happens because we're when we're over there too you know we are visiting mushroom farms and so as we're there the my uh, partners will grab a bunch of fresh mushrooms and then we go out to lunch and they'll just give these mushrooms to the cook in whatever restaurant we're at for lunch and they'll cook up the mushrooms for us right there wow that's amazing that was great (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's fantastic so we're we're eating a lot of fresh mushrooms while we're over there and as fresh as can be because they're just harvested within the hour or two so, so what are the top, maybe the top five mushrooms? So for people who don't know much about mushrooms, if we were to go to the store and, and say, hey, we want to start adding mushrooms into our diet, what should we be looking for? What are the most common ones that we should uh, be introducing our palate to? No question, you should buy shiitake mushrooms. Okay. Shiitake mushrooms in China is called shanggu, which means fragrant mushroom. Hmm. It is delicious. It's got a fabulous flavor. 
Um, so I highly recommend shiitake mushrooms. The, the standard button mushroom is, is okay, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I grew it for 10 years. I lived with it for 10 years. I know it intimately. I've eaten hundreds of pounds of it over my life. So it's a good mushroom. But shiitake, maybe you would be able to get maitake mushrooms, too. Maitake is an excellent medicinal as well. So shiitake, uh, maitake, um, you might be able to get oyster mushrooms. Oyster mushrooms are also good. And, and um, so... so those three for sure. No, those are, you know, especially on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you shouldn't have any problem at all finding different mushrooms in some of the natural food stores, whether it be Whole Foods or some of the other local natural food stores. Uh, even some of the big supermarkets would have a, a nice selection mm-hmm. of different uh, mushrooms. And, and here's the thing about, about mushrooms. Now, you know what? In, in, uh, in China... They have a book that I've got that lists 270 different mushrooms as being medicinal, which, mm. which basically they, they, they're listing them because there's been some research that has demonstrated that particular mushroom. Sure. When we look at medicinal mushrooms, what we're looking at is, is there a, a history of use in traditional Chinese medicine? And then we go, how much scientific research is there behind this particular mushroom? Okay, so when it comes to, to, I've just mentioned those mushrooms that are, um, we've talked about that you can eat. The, the mushroom, I would say, if you could uh, get one for either a tea or as a supplement, that would be reishi mushroom. Okay. And, and, and here's, here's what happens is that, that one of the things that we do in the business is we measure all of our products for beta-glucans. And that, that let me tell you, that is something that has really changed the industry because when we're selling a product, mm-hmm. we, we essentially, I mean, and we're not trying to build up like a pharmaceutical or something. Right. We want a natural profile there, but the beta glucan is the most important compound in there. So we want to measure it so that we can offer it and say, yes, we've got what's important. Uh, reishi mushroom is one that's got one of the highest levels of beta glucans and it's also got other compounds in there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect mushroom as a supplement, but you can't really buy it and eat it. It's, okay. You'd be chewing out a piece of wood, right? right. So, so those three mushrooms, uh, the shiitake, the maitake, the oyster mushroom, even the agaricus in terms of eating mushrooms. And, and look, you know what? If I sit down and I'm just going to uh, cook up some mushrooms as a food, um, I could eat a half a pound of fresh mushrooms. No mm-hmm problem and and, and, you know think about it for a second one medium-sized button mushroom weighs 40 grams yeah yeah that's not much right that's really not much and 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 let me also say this to 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 your listeners too is a lot of people go mushrooms oh man they are um slimy they're soggy don't cook them on a low heat you have to basically cook mushrooms on a high heat Hmm. slice them not too thin slice them uh, high heat, whatever oil that you like, or, or, you know, some people who don't use oil, put, put a little bit of water in there to, to cook them up, but oil, um, make them, uh, brown. Uh, so brown them up on either side. If they're cooked on a high heat, that water, instead of coming out of them, which happens when they're on low heat will stay inside the mushroom. So it will keep it moist. But then what happens is you cook it fast. You, you cook it uh, so it browns up on either side, which I really like 
flavor wise. And then when those things come out of the pan, they are not soggy. They're not slimy. They're just beautifully done, very tasty food. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to go home and, uh, and maybe saute some uh, mushrooms and some coconut oil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yes. High heat. Yeah, high heat. And, and then, you know, sometimes if I'm just eating them alone, I'll, I'll sprinkle a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. And, man, it is, it is wonderful. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on a very low-carb um, uh, sort of meat and vegetable kind of diet. And, you know, if I'm eating a piece of meat, like sometimes I'll eat a piece of beef or something like that, I'm going to have the mushrooms right there with every bite. You know, right. so it's kind of like that's just part of the meal. Sure, sure. Now, let me ask you, going back, uh, you know, the history of mushrooms in medicine and or fun, fungi or f- fungi or fungi, I guess it's kind of tomato or tomato. Is that correct? Either Well, way. yes. Fun, fungi is probably the easiest way to just say fungi. Fungi. OK, so so penicillin came from a fungi, correct? Correct. And uh, so are they still using or testing mushrooms in the sense of trying to come up with novel and here we go again, antibiotics? You know, we're fighting uh, we're fighting things, but. Are, are they still using mushrooms for uh, medicinal in the sense of uh, antibiotics or have we kind of um, done that already? Well, no, you know what? They're still doing it. And, and, and let me just uh, make a distinction here because there are, there are a number of different groupings in this whole kingdom of fungi. And a mushroom is in one grouping and that would be called um, perfect fungi, which means it actually, those fungi, they have mycelium, and then they produce mushroom, which is a fruiting body. Antibiotics actually come from a grouping called imperfect fungi, and those are the fungi that we know more as molds. Gotcha. So when you see a mold growing on a piece of bread or, or something else, that is an imperfect fungus. It will not produce a mushroom. It will not produce a fruiting body. It will simply uh, grow out uh, its mycelium and then it will turn color. And normally when it turns color, what what's happening is it's sporulating. Okay. And, and it's those spores, of course, uh, as it really starts to grow and sporulate, we don't want to breathe those in for one. But yes, penicillin comes from actually a fungus called penicillium and it's a imperfect fungus. And yes, Scientists are still looking at fungi for all sorts of unique compounds. And a lot of those compounds actually come from these imperfect fungi, which we don't eat, but they are out there just like the others as decomposers. But the the soil is filled with them. There's all sorts of different fungi out there that have yet to be discovered that may have some compound that we would find uh, beneficial. Gotcha. So can you tell, tell me a little bit about your, about your company and the different mushroom extracts that, you, that your company develops and has available? Well, um, what we do is, is we'll grow the actual mushroom, then we will put it into um, very large tanks of hot water uh, in a powder form. We will cook it for three hours. We'll then concentrate the fluid down, leave the powder in there. We'll send it to a spray dryer. We'll have a very fine, then spray dried, uh, once extracted powder of that mushroom. We'll also have a second group where we will put in, and that's what we call, let's just say our one-to-one extract, one kilo of of mushrooms, dried mushrooms in, one kilo of extract powder 
at the end. Then we have products where we are concentrating the mushroom, where we'll take, let's just say, 10 kilos of dried mushrooms. Mm -hmm. We'll put it through the same process, except this time we'll cook it twice with water, maybe once with alcohol. Then we will eliminate the fiber. We'll concentrate it all, put it through the spray dryer. And then what we have is our concentrate, which is 10 kilos of dried equals one kilo of concentrated extract. And the reason for that is a lot of times, you know, when you're doing a herbal extract, if you just did a straight herbal powder and said, take this, well, somebody might end up taking 10 capsules or something to actually get enough of the active compounds in there to provide them with benefits. Right. Uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, almost all of their herbal medicines are extracted with water so that you'll go home with this little, let's just say, paper full of 10 different herbs. And they'll mm -hmm. say, OK, throw it into the pot and boil it for a while and then drink the fluid. And you're like, oh, my God, that tastes horrible. <laughs> but that's how they do it. And that's just a <clears throat> basic water extract. Just like I like to think of a water extract as soup. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing when we're making soup. We're creating yeah. a water extract. Now, sometimes we'll keep whatever it is we're cooking with it, and then maybe it would be more of a stew than a soup. But sometimes we'll, like, like let's say after Thanksgiving, you take that big turkey carcass and you throw it into the pot and you, you cook it up and you've got the, the soup and you pour it off and you throw away all the bones and everything. Right. Um, and so... That's kind of the way to look at it, at an extract. So that's what my company produces. We produce extracts. We have about 10 different, what we call the major medicinal mushrooms. We primarily sell to other companies. We're a wholesaler of these bulk powders to other companies that will put it out in, in uh, um, capsules, bottles, put their label on it, and uh, sell it into the supplement market. Gotcha. And do you sell it directly to uh, to consumers as well? We actually do. We we also we also have a a line of products that um, we sell only over the internet, not so we don't compete with our own customers. And um, <clears throat> those products are are mushroom extract powders. And you know what happens sometimes is is we have companies that will or or people call us and they say, where can we get your products? Well. You know, you're not a business. We can't sell to you. And a lot of times when we sell to other companies, they'll put our products out in a formula. And so they're not necessarily selling the straight mushroom powder. Right. So that's why we put out a product line. And we I think we've got six of the different mushrooms that we're selling in in that uh, retail product line. Gotcha. Okay. And we'll put a link to your website to, to Namex.com, uh, right? We'll put a link. Namex.com, yep. And uh, realmushrooms.com. Okay, real mushrooms, great. And then, um, so again, just to kind of clarify, so some of the patients, uh, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, are there certain mushrooms that do better for irritable bowel syndrome or digestive issues, acid reflux, or, uh, or how does that work? How does one differentiate, like, which type of mushroom extract that they should be you focused on? You know what? The, the One of the mushrooms out there has been used for let's just call it digestive problems or, or uh, um, um, alimentary canal problems, and that would be chaga. chaga. Chaga, the history of use with chaga, that's one of the main 
things that they used it for. And there's actually research that's ongoing right now with chaga and uh, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, Crohn's disease, things like that. So, so I would say if somebody's got that, uh, look for a chaga product. And, and, and you know, I want to be clear, too, about one thing that you have to be very careful because you could tell one of your patients, go out and get this particular mushroom product. You go into a store and it is a minefield. You look at the shelf and there are 20 different products. Right. And, and one of the issues that's going on right now that you have to be aware of is that there are products manufactured in the United States where they take the mycelium and they will grow it out on grain. Mm. And then at the end of this process, and they'll do it all in sterile culture in a laboratory. And at the end of the process, they will grind it all up to a powder. But they do not separate the grain out from the final product. So that product, and we've, I did a study on this, and most of those products end up being mostly grain starch. Wow. So if that product says made in the USA, it is, it is most likely this myceliated grain. And look, turn it over and look at the, the label. And if it says mycelium, and in, in the other, oftentimes they will label it as myceliated rice or oats or something like that. Just be aware of that. And, and be aware also of that there's some companies that will be selling those same products, but they won't even list that. Instead, the label will just say mushroom. And you think you're taking a mushroom but you're not. If you open up the capsule and you taste it, and it tastes kind of bland and it's got kind of a light color, most likely it is that type of product. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so definitely you have to pay attention to the, to the quality and where it's coming from. Oh, absolutely right. And, you know, look, we get a lot of people who are going, oh, you know, products from China and I would never consume a product from China. You know what? I would never consume a product that was grown on the Gulf Coast of the United States. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, is it, that's not the point. The point is we do all sorts of analysis of our products. Um, not only that, we're certified organic by uh, German certifiers. Uh, we have to test our products for heavy metals. We have to test them for pesticides, fungicides, microorganisms we test them twice. It's really a rigorous program. So, so, yeah. and, and the reason why these mycelium products are actually sold in the United States instead of mushrooms is that mushrooms are very expensive to produce. You know, mushrooms are still picked by hand. Wow. And if you've ever been inside of a mushroom house, there are literally hundreds of thousands of mushrooms on those beds and they're all picked by hand. Wow. It, it is. And so, so, you know, in the United States, they can grow mushrooms and sell them as food, no problem. But remember, a supplement is dry. Right. Mushroom, like a vegetable, is 90% water. The sure. minute you dry that out, you have to get 10 times as much money for that same pound of mushrooms. Yeah. Economically, it doesn't work for supplements. So right. instead, they grow this myceliated grain. Hmm. What? So what about, so we talked about IBS and the Chagas mushroom. How yep. about? arthritis or high blood pressure? Are there certain uh, mushrooms that are best uh, for that? High blood pressure, I would definitely go with reishi. Reishi, Re triterpenes are <clears throat> considered to be um, something that will definitely modulate that. Um, they will also, they're really good for the liver, uh, the circulatory system. So I would definitely, arthritis, I, I can't think of any specifically where I've seen research that 
that actually addresses arthritis. You know, one of the mushrooms right now that is is um, very popular and and there's some really good research on is lion's mane. Okay. And lion's mane, uh, there's some good clinical trials. And, and you know, doctor, <laughs> it is so difficult to uh, have clinical trials for herbal products. Really is right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just too it's just too expensive. So right. nobody does clinical trials. But in Japan, they've done some clinical trials, and lion's mane uh, stimulates what's called nerve growth factor, hmm. which is important for for actually building neurites. Uh, so yeah. So as we get older, and that whole process kind of diminishes and slows down a little bit. Um, that's one of the things that they figure is why we have memory difficulties, why we drift into dementia and things like that. So lion's mane has been shown to stimulate nerve growth factor, and they've done clinical trials that indicate that people, yes, taking lion's mane will have better cognition. So, so if, if, if you're getting older and you're starting to have memory problems like me, <laughs> then you can you should definitely be taking lion's mane and 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 you don't have to take a lot in this one clinical trial they just took three grams mm. three grams of lion's mane i mean which is not really a lot and that was just a straight lion's mane powder so right. so um um and, and and interestingly enough you know they had a control group and and after 90 days and they did a test when they first started and then they took the lion's mane for 90 days and they tested them again and the people taking the lion's mane uh did a lot better right. than the control group and, and again these are 70 year olds and then they stopped taking lion's mane and they tested them again 30 days later and the benefits were gone mm. so yeah i think especially with the uh, with the uh, increasing uh, aging of our population alzheimer's disease dementia is becoming definitely a lot more common and I think you bring up a good point, though, too, because I think we, again, have been in a uh, in a system where we've been looking for one drug to cure every, you know, to cure a problem. Like there's going to be one pill that's going to cure cancer, one pill that's going to cure uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. And it doesn't work that way. I mean, a lot so much of it comes down to diet. It comes down to eating more plant based foods, a wide variety of plant based foods. And, and the fact is, a lot of these different things that we do might only influence the outcome by 5%. But if we're doing 20 things and each influences by 5%, then we're gonna have a good outcome. I think too many of these studies, they're testing one drug at a time. They're saying, no, that doesn't work. Let's try this one. No, that doesn't work. And in reality, we need to take a comprehensive, it's almost common sense now, as I see it, that we, we have to take a holistic approach. We have to go for a walk in the forest, get the fresh air, get the sunlight, get the cardiovascular system going, eat vegetables, a variety of foods from, you know, with different colors, which represent different phytonutrients. They all affect us in a way that we may not necessarily uh, figure out if we did them one at a time. I, I totally agree. And, and you know, the that concept of holistic, I mean, that's really what we're after. You know, it's not like Homer Simpson sitting on in the Lazy Boy popping that one capsule of whatever it is, right. right? That's not how it works. No, there's all of these different components there and, and you just covered them all. You know, it's, it's like for me, I mean, the diet, of course, but also I, I get out and I walk every day. I, I walk for one or two hours. Right. And, and, and to me, that's very, very important. I, in fact, and I'm walking in an area where we have 
some of the best air in the world. We have some of the best water in the world too. I mean, I mean, bottled water. Don't even talk to me about bottled water. I mean, my tap water is fabulous. Right. And and, and uh, when I go places and I I'm like thinking about okay, can I drink this tap water or not? That bothers me. That really right. bothers me. And if it's no, then it bothers me that I have to buy water. Right. You know, the fact that I can just drink it. And, and let me tell you, the water coming out of my tap is like nectar. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, so I'm very encouraged. I'm very excited, you know, with this conversation, with this information. Uh, you know, I think mushrooms is something I've been missing. Of course, I would have some occasionally with an omelet or with my steak. But it's definitely something that I've not paid a lot of attention to. And you really opened up my eyes. And I think... You know, I'm going to start looking into these other mushrooms, get some recipes, figure out how to cook the shiitake mushroom and, uh, you know, saute a few other ones with some all, uh, some um, some coconut oil on high temperature, yep. right? High temperature. Yep, yep. high temperature. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe make some stew, uh, some soup, uh, some soups, some stews. And, uh, you know, I'm, re- I'm really excited to, to see. They're so versatile. They are so versatile. You can do so many things with them. I'll also send you uh, a few papers that deal with the the nutritional aspects in greater detail so that when you've got time you can take a look at that and and uh, be uh have a little more information about the nutritional values and and so on but yeah it's a great food and and that that in a way that's one of the things that's missing from our north american diet um we've had this one mushroom you've had to force people to eat them at times (laughs) but right now um with the whole explosion of a holistic medicine and and new thinking uh mushrooms of all of a sudden and you know i say all of a sudden it's been a slow process i've watched it i've watched it from 1973 and and i've met so many people that oh no we don't eat mushrooms oh no i hate mushrooms oh slimy this that or the other and you know now today all of a sudden we've got more species in the marketplace so more choices people are becoming more aware of the benefits of mushrooms. And it's really time for us to catch up to what they've known in Asia for a long time, which mushrooms are a good food and their food is medicine. And, and that's really what we're looking for, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, and we're finally catching up here in the United States because uh, they've known this in Asia for thousands and thousands of years. And, uh, and we relatively are new on the scene when it comes to healthcare. And, uh, and we have a lot to learn still. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's great that people like you are out there because that's who we really need. We need physicians uh, that, you know, know that uh, holistic integrative medicine is where the future lies. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jeff, it's been a pleasure uh, meeting with you. And uh, I would love to maybe uh, sometime uh, 2019 again, maybe next summer or so, we can uh, talk again and see what's going on, what the latest is regarding uh, mushroom research. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, Dr. Madrid, I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, uh, thank you for being who you are and doing what you do. I I really think that's great. Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to post links to your websites and uh, whatever else you'd like us to post to just let me know. And we'll we'll have post uh, the information there in the description so all of our uh, listeners can find you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Great. Have a great day.